Hello everybody and welcome to yet another episode of the Asikulume podcast. My name is Lindo and I am the host of the podcast. I'm really hoping that this is going to be a very short episode because um, I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time talking about this and I, you know, certainly have tried not to spend a lot of time thinking about it but you know some things just happen and you can't help but think about it but also because i think we've had so many difficult conversations that we've had to have in south africa over the past couple of weeks and months that honestly i like i don't want to keep having these conversations again and again but I thought I would just record this podcast so that maybe, you know, I get this out of my system because I have genuinely wanted to record this episode for a while now, but never being able to find the words, never being able to um, articulate myself properly. And essentially, I think I, when I initially wanted to record the episode, I would have done it from a an intensely emotional place, which is not a bad thing. Um, speaking from an emotional place is not a bad thing at all. But I definitely wanted, but I definitely think I'm better off now talking about it. And I just want to talk about it, get it out of the way, and then hopefully um, I can go about my life not having to think about the fact that the cops are shooting people dead in the streets. But anyway, um, maybe just to start off, there's this guy I know, um, his name is MK, and you, you, you can hardly ever have a conversation with MK without him bringing up um, the Marikana massacre. So for those of you who don't know what the Marikana, mas- the Marikana massacre is, a couple of years ago, actually it was in 2012, in 2012, a group of mine workers who worked at the Marikana mine that is owned that was owned by Lonmin, a group of mine workers started protesting, uh, demanding that they be paid a higher wage. Essentially, they were asking to be paid twelve thousand five hundred rand. And what had happened was that. To cut a long story short, um, the cops shot dead 34 miners, 34 miners on that day. And that came to be known as the Maragana Massacre. To this day, so mind you, this happened in 2012, 34 men who were fathers, husbands, family people, and just whole individuals on their own um 34 people died dropped dead died were shot dead on that day and to this day not a single person has been arrested being charged sentenced convicted or sentenced for their murder the best thing that we got was the police co- the police commissioner at the time, um, Commissioner Ria Piera, was relieved of her duties as police commissioner. Otherwise, apart from that, nothing else really um, has happened um, to hold people accountable for the death of those miners. And 
what makes the Marcana massacre such a complex issue is that it involved big business because in South Africa mine and I think all over the world really mining is big business and the strike had gone on for such a long period of time that it was starting to really affect the pockets of the mining company and so politicians and people who are in really high places in government had started getting involved in the protests and those people essentially were involved in the decision-making chain essentially that led to the decision being made that the police were allowed to use live ammunition when trying to quote-unquote control the protests and that is how we came to have 34 miners shot dead by the cops in literally a matter of seconds and the most heartbreaking thing about the Marikana massacre is that all of this happened on camera. So the whole thing played out on the news and any South African who has access to the internet can literally go on YouTube and watch um, as 34 men were gunned down by the police. So that's basically what the Marikana massacre is or what happened around the Marikana massacre. And... In South Africa, over the past week, we have had to deal with yet another person who was murdered by the cops. So, um, a week ago, there was... Um, I, don't, I don't even know what the cops were doing in um, El Dorado Park. But essentially, the cops were in El Dorado Park and a young boy by the name of nathaniel julius was shot dead by the police i think he was outside of his home yeah yeah he was just outside of his home and the details surrounding why the cops shot him are still unclear because he wasn't a threat or a danger to anyone he wasn't committing a crime he wasn't doing something that he was not supposed to be doing um this i think 16 year old six, 15 16 year old boy was just outside his home um yeah he was just outside his home and the police shot him dead and unfortunately that is not the only case of the police shooting an unarmed person dead a couple of months ago and actually when the lockdown had just started i think we were on like week two or even the first week of lockdown the i think it was the military yeah i think it was the army but essentially someone in the security cluster um murdered a man by the name of Collins Causa and a couple of other men as well. So these men were murdered because they were accused of having broken lockdown regulations. You can already tell how absurd all of this sounds, right? In the first situation, you have the police using live ammunition on a group of protesters who are protesting to get a higher 
wage from a big, wealthy, multinational mining company. The second situation was the cops murdering multiple men who were accused of breaking lockdown regulations. And then the third case is an innocent boy who was standing outside his home and was shot dead. Right. And so before I want to contrast all of these situations, I just want to say, I just want to make a quick link to um, police brutality, the police brutality that is most evident in the media, which is what's happening in, in America. So the police brutality in America is very heavily entrenched in racial dynamics, where the police force in the United States is mostly white and the victims of police brutality are disproportionately black men and so we understand that that has a lot to do with racism it has a lot to do with i mean they say unconscious bias but i don't really buy the story of it being unconscious bias i think it's very conscious bias but anyway that's a conspiracy theory for another episode but anyway the police brutality that we see in america is extremely heavily stepped in racism and the racist past and present that America exists in. You now bring it home to South Africa and think about us where the security cluster in South Africa is majority black. So the people who are charged with the responsibility of ensuring law and order and the enforcement of the law, those people are in the majority is black as and the victims also of police brutality in south africa are black as well so obviously then we can't play it on race and we can't say that the cops are killing black men in south africa because of racism because that's not what it is um black people can't be racist against one another and that is not to say that the concept of internalized self-hate or um, internalized anti-blackness does not exist anti-blackness definitely does exist but within the south african context of police brutality um it definitely isn't a race issue um it also isn't a class issue as well because the police force in south africa are largely working class not even middle class the police in south africa are working class at most and but i mean i guess it could be a a class issue because if you look at the marikana miners who were murdered the large majority of them were poor and that is essentially why also they were striking for a wage increase because they lived in poverty and their families lived in poverty as well and so so for them asking for higher wages was trying to get themselves out of poverty and so if you think about a mid a working class police force murdering a largely poor group of miners you can see how that could have been a class issue on the case of the multiple men who were murdered in the beginning of the lockdown regulations um i don't have any understanding of what kind of 
socioeconomic class those men belonged to so i don't want to speak on that um and if you think about el dorado park el dorado park as a community is largely largely comprises of poor and working class people um and so you could think that that might have been a class issue as well but what i'm convinced that it is i think it's a power issue i think the police force in south africa are trying their utmost best to assert their dominance and to sort of try and assert a level of authority upon South African communities and I think that the way that they're trying to do that is by being excessively is by exerting an excessive amount of violence upon mostly black people when they are trying to enforce law and order because I think in South Africa we generally tend to not take the cops too seriously and which is not which is not to blame South Africans on that because thinking about how, first of all, when you need, when you genuinely need the assistance of the police in South Africa, they take an extremely long time to, um, they take an extremely long time to respond to calls for the cops. So this is not like in America where um, a white woman can call the police now and they are here in five minutes. Um, in this here Republic. If you call the cops, you're lucky if they're at your door in forty mi- in forty minutes. Um, and so, yeah, the, South Africans don't really take the cops that seriously. Even when like a crime happens in South Africa, you report it at the police because you want a case number so that you can like claim insurance or whatever. But you don't actually think that the police are going to do anything about it. As well as um, on the metro police side of things no one also really trusts the metro police to keep law and order on our roads we most of us think that the metro police are there just to collect bribes and keep it moving really so south africans don't really have like a massive amount of respect for the police we don't even see the cops as figures of authority within communities and i think that this sort of exaggerated display of power and dominance is a way in which is a way for the police the policing system um in south africa to sort of assert its authority over south african communities and so they perform this thing of oh, we can murder you if we want and nothing is going to happen, so you better respect us, right? I think, well, at least I think that that's what's going on. I think South African police are trying to get us to take them seriously and the only way that they know how to do that is if they put black people, if the, is if they put bullets in the bodies of black people and they murder them. And that might seem like a bit drastic. It might seem like I'm exaggerating the situation. But honestly, that's what I think is happening here. I think the South African police want us to take them seriously as authority figures in communities. And the way that they're doing that is that they're exerting an excessive amount of force upon black people who aren't even breaking the law, by the way. 
or even if you could make the argument that they are breaking the law there is no justification for the amount of violence that has been meted out on black people over the years by the police um and also because of the fact that that violence is meted out exclusively on black people that is <laughs> i don't even want to talk about that but i guess that also speaks to who the police are trying to exert their authority upon so clearly there are people that the policing system has absolutely no interest in exerting authority over and then there's also a group of people in which the south african policing system is trying its utmost best to exert its authority power and dominance over so yeah that's those are essentially like my thoughts around the murder of what has been black men by the south african police and just maybe to close this episode uh, and say that may the spirit of nathaniel julius rest in peace um and i really hope that his family is able to find some sort of not comfort not closure but i but i hope that somehow that the pain doesn't consume them i hope that somehow the grief doesn't consume them and i hope that they are able to work through and deal with the emotions that have come with um the murder of this young man and you know to be quite honest i don't really believe that anyone is going to be held accountable for the murder of um this young man even if people might be arrested we know that the south african government is very big on performances so even if someone does get arrested for the murder of this young man i doubt that they are going to be convicted or even if they are i don't think they will serve any real jail time because if we're being honest about it a lot of the murder that happened the murder that is um the killings by the south african police system are state sanctioned mm-hmm. uh they are state sanctioned murders and so and you know perhaps we should call it what it is perhaps we should call the murder of innocent and unarmed black people by the police as state sanctioned murder because the state will go to great lengths to protect the police people who murder innocent black people in the streets anyway um this episode really by no means was supposed to like be a smart intellectual deep thinking episode about how the police are literally murdering um people on the streets but it's really just for me to just get it off my chest and to just talk about it so yeah um i don't want to say i hope you enjoyed this episode because that will be weird but i hope you found my ramblings even a tad bit interesting and i hope you listen to the next episode bye